أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So alhamdulillah this is uh, day one of uh, our Quran majlis and um, inshallah may Allah put barakah in this effort and may Allah uh, reward the hosts of this house to allow us to come here and alhamdulillah you know listen to the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and try to get closer to the Quran uh, in these uh, blessed nights inshallah. So just for you to understand about time frame inshallah it's not, it's not going to be more than an hour, hour and a half max inshallah okay because I understand some of you have work tomorrow, school, and so I'll try to squeeze it in an hour, maybe an hour 15, maximum, inshallah. Uh, we'll have someone remind me, yeah, guys, when there's uh, 10 minutes left, just remind me, inshallah. So uh, to start with today, I believe Surah Al-Fatiha is a great way to start this series. Because, um, again, it's a surah that we all recite. Any idea how many times we recite this, by the way? Every day, at least. 17 times, if you count the number of rak'at in a day, that's 17 times every single day. And so, um, for many of us, we've been reciting it, we've, we've memorized it since we were children, but we haven't really gone into much depth about the surah. And so before we go into other surahs of the Qur'an, I thought, let's do justice by starting with al-Fatiha. And Fatiha actually means to initiate something, to start something, to open something. So, in a way, it also makes sense, since we're starting this series, to open it with Surah Al-Fatiha, inshallah. So again, this is another in-depth tafsir, another disclaimer. I'm not a mufassir, I'm not a scholar, I'm not a alim. I'm just a student of the Quran. And so what we're going to do is reflect on some of the beautiful meanings of the Quran that help us live a happy and successful and comfortable life in this world and inshallah win in Akhirah also. So that's going to be my approach throughout the uh, series. A win-win approach basically, right? Balance between dunya and Akhirah. And um, really getting the best of this world and the next world. Okay, that's going to be the approach, inshallah. So, a'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Malik yawm ad-deen. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een. Ihdina as-sarat al-mustaqeem. Sarat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. Ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim wa la-dhaleen. So, uh, again, there's a big dispute among the ulama, whether Bismillah is part of the surah or not, we're not going to get into that scholarly debate. Uh, but what we will cover is the name Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim in depth, because it's, it's, re it's recurring in the surah how many times? Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim? Twice, right? Right in the beginning with Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, and then again after Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. So there's a, a big significance of these two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, so we'll cover those. But in a nutshell, there's like seven ayat in this surah, very short and sweet. We recite it in every salah, and your salah is pretty much not accepted if you don't recite this, right? Unless you're a new Muslim and you don't know the surah. So that's, it's a basic requirement of salah. And whether it was revealed in Mecca or Medina, there's difference of opinion. Some scholars say it was Meccan, some say it was Medinan, some say it was both. So for the sake of our studies, we won't even get into the, that debate, right? Because we want to just extract some gems, some practical gems for our lives, inshallah. So let's begin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with this so optimistic and positive note. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And when do we say Alhamdulillah, by the way? When someone asks you, so how was your day? Alhamdulillah. How are you feeling? Alhamdulillah. How's business? Alhamdulillah. How's school? Alhamdulillah, right? So that's become like our uh, common response to any um, you know, question that's asked to us about our lives. Hopefully you're, you're answering with Alhamdulillah and you're not complaining. Because what's the opposite of being grateful? Being ungrateful, right? And guess what? The Arabic word for ungrateful in the Quran is kufr actually. Many people don't know this. So there's shukr on one hand and there's kufr. Because a kafir, linguistically speaking, is basically described for the farmers who take a seed and they bury it under the ground and they cover it up. And so there is a blessing, but they hide it. They don't see the blessing. And so that's why the kuffar are, are described as farmers in the Quran as well. So there's shukr and kufr. And so therefore the kafir, the disbeliever, who denies the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's why he's called kafir, because he's just denying the truth that's right out there. 
He's burying it underground, right? So for a believer, he's doing alhamd. Now alhamd is actually a combination of shukr as well as praise, right? So it's two things in the language, shukr and praise. When do we thank? When we feel grateful, right? When do we praise? When do we praise? When you see, guys, when you see like a Lamborghini, what do you say? Wow, right? Sisters, you see a nice abaya, what do you say? Subhanallah, mashallah, wow. So that's praise. That's praising an abaya, praising something. So alhamd actually combines both shukr as well as praise. But here we are thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for being Rabbul Alameen. Rabbul Alameen. So we need to understand what this word Rabb means. Very significant word. And it's not a coincidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually introduced himself to us by this name Rabb. And you know what's interesting is, who knows what's the first word or the first verse to be revealed to the Prophet ﷺ? Iqra. And which name was associated with that command? Iqra bismi rabbik. Again, right? And what's even more amazing is that Musa ﷺ, when he met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the mount, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to him and said, Ya Musa, inni ana rabbuk, fakhla'an alayk. So you, we see this recurring theme of you want to you wanna know who Allah is? Number one name you should know about Allah is that He's your Rabb. It's a pretty important name. And according to some scholars, if you understand what Rabb means and what that relationship is between you and the Rabb, that's pretty much the summary of the entire Quran, basically. right? And so Allah said, Rabbil Alameen. Before we go into what Rabb means, Al Alameen, meaning all of the worlds. And so to, in, a, in a nutshell, right, some Ulama, they, they call Rabb or they translate Rabb as master, right? I would use the word caretaker. Caretaker. Because even for parents, they're known as, like a father is known as Rabb al-Bayt in Arabic. Because he's a caretaker of the house. He's the pro provider of the house for the children. He's bringing the food. He's paying the bills. He's going out and working, right? And Rabb uh, manzil for a housewife. Someone who takes care of the house, takes care of the kids. So Rabb is actually a, a caretaker. And subhanAllah, it's such a, a comforting name, right? Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of you, when everything is taken care of by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is there anything we need to worry about? What do, you, what do you think? Nothing to worry about, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the caretaker. And so, what do we learn from this verse? Number one, Rabb al-Alameen, or Alhamdulillah Rabb al-Alameen, positivity. Right? A believer starts his day literally with being positive, being optimistic. And what's the opposite of being positive? Being negative. And there's this very famous law of attraction called, you know, uh, or it's called the law of attraction where if you're positive, then guess what? You're going to attract positive things in your life. If you have positive thoughts, you're going to attract positive things in your life. If you're negative, you're always complaining, you're always angry, you're always upset, you're always sad, there's always drama going on in your life then guess what? You're going to be attracting more and more and more and more negative things in your life. So it's a vicious cycle on both ends. Okay? So it's, a, it's pretty much a, a very powerful law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the universe. And the West has figured this out, by the way. There's books written about this. I don't know if you guys heard about The Secret and other books where they talk about the law of attraction. This is one of the key laws for happiness in this world, key laws for you know, success financially, success health-wise, success in terms of your relationships. But what we want to understand here is that, you know, what does the Quran say about this law of attraction? So Allah subhanahu wa says in a beautiful ayah, وَلَئِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If only you are thankful, I will for sure give you more and more and more and more. وَلَئِنْ كَفَرْتُمْ Allah describes the opposite of also. And if you are ungrateful, then what? And if you are ungrateful, then? Allah says. Then whatever negative things in your life are going to happen, they're going to be serious. They're, you're going to be suffering a lot of pain. But who, do, who to blame for that suffering? Do we blame Allah for that suffering? Astaghfirullah, no, that's disrespect. Do we blame uh, Shaitan for that suffering? No, do we blame Donald Trump for the suffering? Do we blame the government for that suffering? Do we blame our parents for the suffering? Who do we blame? 
ourselves, right? Because we chose to be negative. Whereas Allah is saying, no, 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 start by being positive. Start with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And the reason you see the glass there is because there's this, you know, uh, famous saying where, you know, that you, if you're positive, then you see the glass always half full. Whereas if you're negative, then you're going to complain that the glass is already half empty, right? So it's, it's a mindset, it's a perspective. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right from the beginning of, of Salah and Fatiha and the Quran, is telling us Muslims need to be positive. Now, what's the reality of Muslims? If you go to like a majlis or uh, some uh, party or some gathering, what are, what's happening usually? Complaining, 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 right? Nowadays, the hot topic is complaining about the traffic fines, right? Earlier on, it was complaining about electricity bills going high, complaining about, um, you know, utility bills. What else? Huh? Meat, yeah, the meat got expensive, Schools, school fees are getting expensive, life is getting tough. In Pakistan, the, the discourse is electricity, you know, that kind of stuff. And so every community has their own kind of negative energy. And then guess what? You open the news channel, you open the news in general, you open TV, what do you see? Negativity everywhere, right? Uh, for those of you who watch like Pakistani dramas, inna lillahi wa inna right? All negative energy. There's either a fight going on, someone slapping someone, someone running away, an affair happening, or divorce, or someone died, like some kind of drama happening. And if you like watching that stuff, guess what? You're gonna be attracting that stuff. And for those of you who like to listen to sad songs, again, inna lillahi wa inna If you're still stuck in like, oh, why did she leave me? I miss her so much, and I wish she was with me, and you know, I can't live without her. All of these thoughts, when you listen to these sad songs with the emotions and the music, your heart gets unlocked. and All of that poison is going into your heart without you even realizing. And you're going to be attracting that in your life in some way or another. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, start by being positive. And the Prophet told us in a beautiful hadith, a lot of you might not know this. He said the best dhikr is, anyone knows? La ilaha illallah, the best dhikr. You want to make the best dhikr, the ultimate dhikr? La ilaha illallah. And he said, what's the best dua? Any guesses? Alhamdulillah. The best dua is alhamdulillah. Okay? So, so alhamdulillah is actually a dua. You're asking Allah for more in, by being positive. And like I said, the caretaker. Now, to give you a very easy example, right? When you were a child and you were in the, your parents' house, when you were in your father's house, wasn't everything taken care of? He was, like, did you ever worry about how you're going to eat uh, breakfast tomorrow? Did you ever worry about who's going to take you to school and drop you to school? Did you ever worry about, you know, uh, who's going to pay your fees and what kind of clothes you're going to wear? No. Why? Because you are, you have the certainty and yaqeen that the Rabb al-Bayt, the father, the caretaker of the house is going to take care of you. Everything's taken care of. So you have no tension. But let's say for, for sake of this example, one day you get into a fight with your father and you say, I'm leaving this house. I'm never ever going to come back again. You don't even take your backpack with you and you leave the house. Now, instantly, what's going to happen to your life? From that comfort and peace and everything taken care of, the moment you leave Rabb al-Bayt, what happens? Tension and stress, right? Now you're going to be worried about how you're going to eat next. You're going to be worried about who's going to pay the bills. You're going to be worried about who's going to drop you to school and, and where you're going to shower next and what kind of clothes you're going to be wearing tomorrow, right? Why? Because you decided to leave the house. So how do you link this to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rububiyyah? Imagine this life, this world, this universe that we're in is a big house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? And Allah is inviting all of us to become His ibad, right? So the opposite of Rabb is Abd. Right? You are the Abd, Allah is the Rabb. That's the relationship between us two. Right? And so, why do most human beings suffer in life? Many human beings are suffering in life, whether it's suffering emotionally, suffering in terms of your relationship, suffering financially, suffering with your spirituality, suffering with your job. Why is there suffering? It's because we have, trust in, we have left that house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have forgotten that Allah is Rabb and that we are Abd. And we have, it's like that child who ran away from the house, right? He's, he's outside, he's wondering why all these problems are happening. I'm making dua, I'm doing all, those, all these things, but nothing is changing. Why? 
guess what? You just left the house. So what do you need to do to fix everything? Step number one, accept that you're apt and come in the house. And inshallah, later on, we'll see that. We actually testify that we are abd. Who knows where in Fatiha? That's you telling Allah, Ya Allah, I'm coming back in your house. I've had enough trouble in my life. I've tried to figure things out my own way. And Ya Allah, I admit that I am weak. Also, I can't do this on my own. Literally, you're being humble. You're, you basically tried it yourself, not working. I can't do it without you. So you see how it's all connected? So Rabbil Bayt, remember, this was also told to Quraysh, right? In Surah Quraysh, لِإِلَافِ Quraysh إِلَافِهِمْ رَحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ What does Allah tell them? What's the command? Allah tells them, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Let them become ibad of this house, رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ What will they get if they become ibad of this, of this Rabb? الَّذِي أَطْعَامَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ the moment you enter the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will take care of all your needs in terms of food. You'll never be hungry again. And you'll never be afraid again. You'll never be afraid of losing your job. You'll never be afraid, will I get married or not? You'll never be afraid of losing a relationship. You'll never be afraid of getting sick again. Because you're in the caretaking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabb. So that's really the... Um, Overall kind of message of who the Rabb is. Someone who loves you so much. He ext he's extremely caring, extremely loving. And all he wants is for you to enter that house. Just accept him as your master. Accept him as your Rabb. Everything will be taken care of. And then also, Alhamdulillah, is a statement where, where you feel grateful when you are present. And this is shaitan's biggest game, right? Whenever we, like especially in Salah, you stand up for Salah, just say Allahu Akbar and you get into salah without really thinking about what you're saying. And you say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Wait a second. Alhamdulillah, are you really grateful? Have you really stopped and thought about this statement? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah for all the blessings Allah has given you. And guess what? The only way you will be able to appreciate this statement is when your mind is clear. And I'll give you a tip here. I teach this in a salah workshop that I do, but I'll give you a tip. The first thing we say in salah is Allahu Akbar, right? Now, Allahu Akbar is often translated wrongly as Allah is the greatest. Allah, Allahu Akbar actually means Allah is greater than. And there is like this dot, dot, dot. We fill in the blank. And so a practical way of clearing your mind so that you are present, so that you can appreciate Alhamdulillah and every blessing you have is to before you say Allahu Akbar, think of the thoughts that are coming to your mind. Shaitan's going to put thoughts in your mind. I need to go to work. I need to do my homework. I need to pay the bills. I need to eat something. I need to watch that cricket match. All these thoughts are coming, bombarding you, right? But what are you saying internally? Allah is greater than these thoughts. Right now, Allah is greater. And therefore, if Allah is greater, what's going to happen to that thought? It's going to disappear, right? So you keep doing that until you, your mind is empty and now Allah is in fact greater than anything in your mind, greater than all your problems, greater than all your concerns. Now it's time for you to say Allahu Akbar. And now when you say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, it's going to really make a difference to you, inshallah. So being present. You know, shaitan wants you to be in the fear of the future, fear of the unknown, worry of the future. Or sadness and regret and guilt of the past. That past and future game is what shaitan gets you into. Where you never appreciate the present moment. You're never in the present. You're never really appreciating the fact that you are alive. You're breathing. Your heart is beating. You're not appreciating your children. Not appreciating your wife, your, your spouse. Not appreciating the food you're eating. So we become people who are constantly like in the age of information overload, right? With WhatsApp and Instagram, Facebook. Our minds are constantly just, there's so much noise that we rarely have time to empty our mind. This is called mindfulness, by the way. And people who do meditation and stuff, they're able to clear their mind so they can really get that peace. So Alhamdulillah is actually that moment where you start with that presence. And of course, acceptance is part of Alhamdulillah. Because, you know, the number one cause of stress 
from a psychology perspective is resistance. How come this didn't happen to me? Why is this happening to me? How come I didn't get a raise? How come I'm not married yet? How come my salary is too low? How come I'm fat? How come this? How come that? This is all resistance, resistance, resistance. And get what? guess what? Resistance causes stress. It causes anxiety. It causes a lot of, so in some cases, depression. In some cases, suicide. When you resist life, then you commit suicide, right? Whereas, alhamdulillah, is a statement of acceptance. Ya Allah, I accept where I am today, but I have ambitions to grow. I have ambitions to get out of my mess, right? So there's this balance between acceptance and hope of getting out of whatever mess you're in, okay? So Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, moving on. Now, earlier we said, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So we're thanking Allah that He is Rabbil Alameen. Isn't it, is it something to be grateful for? That Allah has taken it upon Himself to take care of all our needs. Every single need that you have. Financial needs, um, you know, food, clothing, marriage, children, everything is taken care of. These are our God-given rights. But then we're thanking Allah for another thing. That He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim comes... These are two words that come from the root word in Arabic, which is ar-rahim. And rahim is a womb of the mother where the child basically uh, spends about nine months. Okay, that's called rahim in the Arabic language. And I won't get into details of the difference between ar-Rahman and ar-Rahim, but Rahman, just for this, like very briefly, Rahman is extreme form of mercy and love and care. These three things, love, mercy, and care. Rahman is showing the extreme part of his mercy and Rahim is the consistency. So it's extremely and it's consistent. Okay? Whereas human beings, sometimes we have extreme mercy but it's not consistent, right? You see like a sad video of, for example, uh, an earthquake that happened in some place. You watch the video, it's two minutes. You'll have extreme mercy but after 10 minutes, what's going to happen to that feeling? Goes away, right? Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's extreme and it's constant all, every single time. So what is Rahman Rahim? Allah is highlighting his two beautiful names. After he told us he is Rabbil Alameen, he's telling us he is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. He is some, the source of love and kindness in our lives. This is who Allah is. You want to know who Allah is? Surah Al-Fatiha will introduce you to who Allah is right from the beginning of Qur'an. And so loving kindness, does this imply that we also need to be people of love and kindness also? Absolutely, right? Because Allah's beautiful names, what's really cool about them is that not only are they beautiful for Him, if you try to embody th these qualities in your life, you become a beautiful person also. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is like inviting us that I am a Rahman Rahim, why don't you try to be also love, loving and, and kind in your relationships with one another? Okay, and so what's the opposite of love and kindness? Hate, cruelty, right? What do we see in the world today? A lot of bloodshed, a lot of corruption, a lot of selfishness, greed, right? The solution's right there in Fatiha. You want peace and harmony and happiness in your life? Become a source of Rahmah, right? Be loving, be kind. With every single person that you meet, not just with Muslims. That was that's what the Prophet's character was. He was extremely loving and caring, even with the non-Muslims. Even with animals, even with plants. And so this is like, you know, ABCs of Islam, right? This is like the foundation. This is being human. It's not even being Muslim yet. About being human, loving kindness. And you know, it's very easy to be loving and kind to the waiter because you're going to be loving and kind for maybe 15, 20 minutes, right? He's just going to come take your order and go. But it's very, very difficult to be loving and kind with people in your house, with your spouse, with your parents, with your children. These are the people who spend the most time with you, with your housemaids. You want to know if a person is good or not? Go ask the housemaid. She's, she knows you inside out, right? She's spending the most time with you. She's observing your actions and your attitude and the way you talk and your, you know, how you manage your anger and, 
And so if you're able to show loving kindness to your housemates and your wives, because the Prophet said, خيركم خيركم The best of you is the one who is best to his family, to his spouses. And I am the best of you to my, my family. So that's the standard. It's not about being loving and kind in the office space or loving and kind on the road. And so love, loving kindness and non-injury, not hurting others with either whether it's physically or with your words, which can sometimes be even more serious than physically, right? It's from a psychology perspective. You know, they say that shouting at a child is worse than hitting them. You know, and, and we do it so casually without really realizing that we're actually going against Rahmah. We're going, going against these beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where we shouldn't be hurting people with our words and our actions. And then care is there also because, you know, the womb of the mother, it symbolizes the connection and the care between the mother and the baby. It symbolizes the love that the mother has for the baby. And no matter how aggressive the baby gets in the womb of the mother, does the mother mind it? No, the baby could be punching inside the stomach and you know, doing all sorts of acrobatics, but the mother keeps smiling, right? She keeps enjoying that pregnancy and she looks forward to this baby coming out. Not to take revenge, but to kiss him and to hug him, right? So there's, even though the child inside the womb is you know, doing all sorts of things that are causing harm to the mother sometimes, right? Some, some mothers, they go through really difficult pregnancies. Uh, you know, morning sicknesses, mood swings, loss of appetite, weight gain, all sorts of difficulties that the mother goes through. But nevertheless, the mercy and the love and the care of the mother supersedes all of this. And so imagine we're all in this womb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of us. And we are doing all sorts of sins. We are doing all sorts of messed up things, disobediences, you know, not fulfilling our, uh, you know, the obligations that we're, we, ha we have been given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not fulfilling our, the rights that, you know, we need to fulfill for either human beings or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or ourselves. And then Allah still sends rain down on, on upon us. He still sends us rahmah. He still sends us, you know, his gifts and his mercies. Regardless of how disobedient you are. And rahmah also means connectivity. That's why in Arabic, like maintaining ties of family and kinship is called silatul rahim. Connecting your ties with your families. And again, what's shaitan's objective? To cut down these, these uh, ties, right? How many of you know family members who uh, have ties that are cut? Either uncles or aunts or brothers, sisters not talking to each other. You're being shy with me, huh? But usually it's because of money, it's because of some family disputes, whatever. Shaitan's goal is to cut, whereas Allah is saying, no, connect. You are connected. You are one. And of course, rahmah has to do with forgiveness. So this is like an open invitation for all of us who are sinful, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His name, Ar-Rahman, Rahim, means we can always ask for forgiveness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is willing to forgive us until our, our last breath, right? That door is open. That door of mercy is open. This also means we need to be forgiving with others. Right? For a lot of people, this anger stays in their heart because they're not willing to forgive. Which is a sign of ego, actually. Right? When you're not willing to forgive. You're holding on to your grudge. Whereas the right thing to do is to let go. Let it go. Right? Like frozen. Yeah? Just let it go. Say sorry. Turn the page. Move on. Because... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you want Allah to forgive you, how come you're not forgiving others? How do you expect Allah to forgive you if you're not willing to forgive others? Right? And saying sorry, if, you know, for many people who have ego issues, saying sorry is extremely difficult. And sometimes children have that also. Like children fight, fight with one another and someone did something to the other child, you tell her to say sorry, they struggle with it. From childhood, like this is like, subhanAllah, you know, that ego kicks in right from childhood. And of course, don't forget yourself. Be loving to yourself. Like for people who like do dhulm to themselves, right? So, you know, you're, I don't know, smoking or drinking or doing drugs or not eating healthy food or not praying maybe. You're doing dhulm to yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. 
You're not being loving with yourself. You look at yourself in the mirror and you don't love yourself. When was the last time you looked at the mirror and you said, I really love you. I really love myself. Has anyone done this before? Oh. Do it tonight, inshallah, before you sleep. Yeah? Say to yourself, I love you. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. You're so beautiful. Right? We tend to like, think that love is just something that we give, 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 give. But this is some, you cannot give something that you don't have. You know, the one who does not have cannot give. And so how can you give love and kindness and mercy if you're not being loving and kind to yourself? And forgive yourself also. Sometimes shaitan comes and he you know, gets you stuck into something that you've done. Maybe you've done something really messed up in the past. And shaitan says, you're never ever going to be forgiven for this. But no, forgive yourself and move on. Plus, mistakes happen. It's okay, I learned my lesson. Move on. These are challenges of life and we can move on. So, moving on to Maliki Yawmiddin. Another praise. So first, we praise Allah because He is Rabbil Alameen. Second, we praise Him because He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Now we're praising Him because He's Maliki Yawmiddin. And here, here the introduction to Allah stops, by the way, with these three ayat. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin. These three ayat are enough for you to know who Allah is. You want to you know, invite someone to Islam? Just share who Allah is in the, from these three ayat here. So wh what's so special about Malik Yawmiddin? And again, Malik, there's two ways of reading this. In some uh, cases, they read it as Malik, which means king, and Malik means owner. And so Malik Yawmiddin. Yawmiddin is often translated as the day of judgment, but it's also the day of payback. A dain in the Arabic language is when you borrow something, it's like a debt that you have to pay back, right? And so in a sense, what's so beautiful here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, out of His mercy, on one hand He told us He is a Rahman Rahim, but then He didn't say Shadeedul Iqab, He didn't say extremely punishing, right? Although what's the opposite of merciful and loving and caring? Punishing and tough, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used like a, a softer, opposite which is that he is the master or the king or the owner of the day of justice so he made justice the opposite of mercy love and care right there's no sense of punishment and fear and this is something that parents sometimes um, make a mistake of doing with their children we tend to raise our children thinking that they need to need to be afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala read salah otherwise Allah will be angry with you Listen to your mother, otherwise Allah will not be happy with you. Do your homework, otherwise Allah will. We keep like threatening them, using, using emotional blackmail, blackmail to be afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is like extremely disastrous because you know what you're indirectly doing in their subconscious mind is instilling this idea that Allah is scary. Allah is, you know, he's just waiting for me to make a mistake so he can punish me. And this deen is scary, it's tough. And the moment they get the freedom to make their own choices, guess what? They're not going to want anything to do with Islam. Nobody wants to live a life of fear. No one, it's not healthy. Right? And so here Allah wants us to be people of accountability. People who have this sense that, you know what? I am responsible for my actions. Every single problem I'm in is because of myself. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu does not do wrong to us even the slightest bit. But it is us ourselves who wrong ourselves. And there's multitudes of ayat where Allah talks about, you know, bima kasabat aidikum. All of the masaib that you're in is because of what you earn, because of what you earn. So it's all justice. And they call it karma, right? In, in Hinduism and Buddhism, they call it karma. So there is a sense of you know, truth to that. In this world, whatever problems you go through is actually a sense of payback, right? Anything bad happens to you, you need to check yourself. Where am I going wrong? What am I doing wrong? Did I hurt somebody? Did I do something wrong? Did I cheat in my work? Did I do something negative? And it's like the self-assessment that you constantly do with yourself. And subhanAllah, that becomes a purification for you. So you do, when you do wrong, to understand this very clearly, right? When you do something wrong, what happens? 
your level goes a bit, dro it drops, right? And so Allah out of his mercy puts you into a test as part of that karma, right? Why? So that you can learn from it and purify yourself to get you back on track. So it's so fair, it's so just, right? And another thing is that Alhamdulillah, all of you should say Alhamdulillah that Allah is not just in this world. That's like, you know, a lot of people think that one of Allah's beautiful names is Al-Adl. Unfortunately, that name does not exist in the Quran. Allah is not Al-Adl in this world. Allah is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So His Rahman is more superior to His justice. And why is Allah not just? Alhamdulillah, He's not just. Because if He was just, then every single mistake we would have made, what would be justice? To pay back for it, right? Whereas, what does Allah do? We mess up. Allah leaves a window of opportunity for us to seek forgiveness and make istighfar and tawbah. And if we do, that's, that sin is for, that sin is forgiven. So that's not justice. Justice would be, you lied, your tongue should be cut off. Justice would be, you saw something filthy, something shameless, your eyesight should get weaker. Right? Justice says, you cheat in your business, your, your business should become, you, you got to become bankrupt, right? You eat something harmful, you get a disease. That's not how Allah works. Allah has this rahmah system, right? Where... Allah gives us chances and chances and chances to repent, to make tawbah and to ask for forgiveness. So alhamdulillah that he is not just in this world, right? He is just in the day of judgment, okay? Where all the set score will be settled. And so this also teaches us the balance. On one hand, you are hopeful of Allah's mercy, ar-Rahman rahim On the other hand, you got to be accountable. You got to be responsible. Take responsibility for your actions. Stop blaming others for your failures. For all of you who are going through financial problems, stop blaming the economy or blaming the fact that there are no jobs or blaming that business is bad or blaming that this and that. And this. Stop it. Take responsibility and fix things. Those of you who are going through marriage problems, relationship problems, stop blaming your spouse. Those of you who are going through health problems, stop blaming McDonald's for you getting sick. Stop blaming the weather. This is very common in our days, right? The weather gets a bit, like it changes a bit. Everyone starts getting a throat infection and we start blaming the weather. We don't remember, oh, we had ice cream the other day or we had a lot of sugar or maybe, you know, I messed up with my health. And so we constantly blame others, others, others. We don't take responsibility. So Malik Yomidin is the statement which teaches us that we need to be accountable for our actions. And I'll, I'll share with you some, uh, a tip that inshallah will help you for your life. All of our problems are due to either two things. Misinformation, i.e. wrong information or misconceptions, or missing information, information that you don't have. So with these, if you were able to, and by the way, how do you clarify misinformation? By learning, asking, reading, right? And how do you add missing information? By learning, clarifying, asking. What's the first command that Allah sent down to us? Iqra. Right? So that first command, Allah could have said pray. He could have said read Quran. He could have said kiss your mother's forehead. No, he said read. Why? With reading. And read here doesn't just mean read a book. It means have that willingness to learn. Have that willingness to explore and ask and search and think. Right? Because when you do, then you can get out of any problem in life, inshallah. So now that we know who Allah is, now you're ready to sign the document. What's the document? This, the document of ubudiyah. Ya Allah, I testify that you are my Rabb. And by the way, we've already signed this document, if you guys don't know this. Before we were created in this world, we were all in, a, in the alam al-arwah, the ruh of the, or the world of the ruhs. Where we were all gathered, every single human being, that since the you know, beginning of humanity, Till the Day of Judgment, all human beings who were going to be created, we were gathered with, with our souls in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked us a question. He said, Alastu bi rabbikum? Am, I not your ma am I not your master? Am I not your caretaker? And what did we all do? We testified. Bala shahidna. Indeed, Ya Allah, we bear witness. And so that's why we're all born as Muslims. Even if you're born in a, in a Catholic family or a Hindu family or an atheist family, 
you are actually born bilfitra. You are you are Muslim. Why? Because you've you've testified to this fact that Allah is your Rabb, He is your caretaker, and you accept this role of Abd. So now you're saying Iya kanabud wa Iya kanastain. And there's you know this is such a beautiful ayah because it shows us balance in life. Okay. For those of you who are wondering about Isha, inshallah, we'll pray after we're done, inshallah. Okay. So Iya kanabud wa Iya kanastain. First of all, Iyaka means only you. Exclusively you, Ya Allah, do we worship. And exclusive you, Ya Allah, do we seek help from desperately. Okay? That's what nasta'in means. Again, I'm giving a very shallow translation. Okay? But on the one hand, Iyaka na'bud, what does it do? It's supposed to give us this confidence. Ya Allah, after I know who you are, after I know that you're my caretaker, after I know that you're Rahman Rahim, after I know that you are Malik Yamadeen, you're, so, you're going to be so fair with me, and I'm accountable for everything, and I can write my own destiny in this world, it's a statement of confidence. Unshakable faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Ya Allah, with you, with, with you by my side, anything is possible. Nothing is impossible. Because I have you with me. You're my caretaker. Nothing can harm me if you're my caretaker. If you're my Rabb, nothing can come in my way. And that's the confidence that the Sahaba had, if you think about it, right? That's the confidence that the Prophet ﷺ built in them throughout the Meccan period, 13 years, and then Medina period, 10 years. Uh, yani a Muslim cannot be someone who, is, who lacks self-esteem and lacks self-confidence. Iya kanabud gives you that empowerment. But on the other hand, too much confidence is dangerous, right? What does it cause? Ego, arrogance, pride, right? So how do we balance it up with? Ya Allah, I can't do anything without you. I need your help. That's what nasta'in means. And nasta'in also here, you know, highlights the fact that we, Ya Kanabud is something that we associated with ibadah, right? With religious acts and acts of akhirah. Whereas Allah is saying, Yes, I want you to be concerned about Akhirah, but don't forget your dunya. Work on your dunya also. Ya Allah, I need your help for dunya. I'm worshipping you for Akhirah, but I need your help for dunya. So this is dunya and Akhirah balance also. And the Prophet ﷺ in his beautiful dua would make, Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab nar So Allah does not want us to be people who lose in dunya and win in Akhirah. Right? That's unfortunately like a big misconception out there. And many people give up life because they're losing in dunya and you know, they hope that we're, they're going to win in akhirah. And so, Another balance here is the balance of sincerity and obedience. Sincerely, Ya Allah, to you only. And this eliminates all forms of shirk, all forms of modern shirk, by the way. And you know, shirk in the old times was shirk of like... Worshipping idols and bowing down to like idols and stuff. That stuff doesn't happen today, but there's other hidden shirk that happens in our hearts. The, when your love for money supersedes your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When your love for your shahawat and your temptations and your desires becomes that ilah that you worship. Or when you know, you're constantly obsessed about people. What do people think of me? What will people say about me? Your image, your image, and you know, especially in social media with selfies and followers and likes and comments, you're obsessed. Your ilah is like your audience. You do whatever your audience wants to get as many followers as possible. So fame can be your ilah in some cases. Okay. So here you're saying, Ya Allah, I worship nobody but you. I'm breaking all the other idols in my heart. And Iya kanastain. Means, Ya Allah, I, I seek your help in being abd. Because being abd also requires that we obey him, right? You can't claim to be his abd and you're not obeying him. And by the way, by obeying him, the Arabic word for obeying in the Quran is actually ta'a. Ta'a, right? And ta'a actually means loving obedience. So you're, you're obeying Allah, but lovingly, willingly, right? It's not, you're not doing it forcefully. You're convinced about it and you're doing it willingly. That's called ta'a. And, and so by, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats in the Qur'an, أَطِيعُ اللَّهُ وَأَطِيعُ الرَّسُولُ Follow Allah lovingly and follow the Prophet ﷺ lovingly. This, these two are your guides, right? The Qur'an and the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ. But to follow that, we need Allah's help. We need to submit to Allah's help. And 
also emphasizes the fact that, Ya Allah, we need your help in terms of dua, right? The Prophet also said in a beautiful hadith that dua huwa al-ibadah. Ibadah is in fact dua. If you want to know what ibadah is, it's dua. And salah is dua. And in another narration, dua mukhu al-ibadah. Dua is like the essence, the, the core of ibadah itself. And so and on one hand, you're saying, Ya Allah, I, I'm making dua for all the things I need from you. But at the same time, Iyaka nasta'een. You know what nasta'een also means? You're not just sitting there and making dua, Ya Allah, I want to get married. Ya Allah, I want to become a millionaire. No, you're actually putting in the effort. Nasta'een means you're putting in some effort. Right? So that's the balance between dua and effort. Some people just put in effort without dua. That's again, arrogance, right? You're saying, Allah, I don't need you. I can do things on my own. But we as, a, uh, as believers, we balance between dua as well as effort. And then iyaka na'budu iyaka nasta'in also emphasizes this balance between knowledge and action. Oh Allah, now that you introduced who you are to me, I worship you. I have knowledge of who you are, but now I need to act. I need to act as abd. I need to straighten up my character. That requires Allah's help. Yes, so, so you see the balance between knowledge and action. Knowledge alone is not enough. It's not enough for you to know who Allah is, but you're not acting. And we'll see later on how this comes together. And so this idea of detachment, detaching yourself from all worldly things. That doesn't mean you, you go and live in a mountain and start making afkar. No. You live in this world, you be loving to all your family and your kids and everything, but your heart is only attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls sometimes children and money as zina as beautification, as decoration, temporary decoration. Because you think about it, on the Day of Judgment, every single one of us is going to be standing alone, facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're not going to be concerned about who, you know, where our ch children are, where our families are. Everyone's going to be concerned about themselves only. That's the reality of life. Okay? But sometimes we get so attached with the world and with our relationships and with our businesses that we sometimes forget that La ilaha illallah means Ya Allah. There's only one attachment, and that is to you. Because everyone in this world can let you down. Right? Your business could go down. Uh, someone in your family could die. Things like, كُلُّ شَيْءٍ halikun, Right? Everything will disappear one day. So if you attach yourself to something that is weak, something that disappears, you're going to break apart. But where do you get true peace and happiness? When you attach yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, because He will never ever leave you. He will never ever let you down. Because he's Rabb, he's always going to be taking care of you. So he's the ultimate one that you can trust. And here, one thing that's interesting to note is that we've started talking in the plural form. We worship you. And we seek your help. So this noon is emphasizing collective concern, right? You're concerned about the jama'ah. You're concerned about your brothers and sisters. You're concerned about others. You're not being selfish. And just, you know, making dua and, and seeking help for yourself. So that's who a believer is. And then we move on to My favorite part. So now, we, ask, we just asked Allah, we seek your help, right? Allah taught us in Fatiha what you need to seek help from first. What's the most important thing you need to seek help for? And that is guidance. That is hidayah. That is the most precious thing we should be asking for, right? And so, we ask Allah for this easy, straight path. And it is, it is the path of those who were blessed. Sarat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. So I chose this picture purposely because it shows nice trees and greenery and it's beautiful, right? Because that's really the life of a believer if you're on the straight path. It's an easy path, it's straight, it's simple. And you know how, like we all know that life is a test, right? This life is temporary, it's a test. But for people of guidance, that test is going to be super easy. It's going to be an enjoyable test. Because you have guidance. Who will the test be tough for? People who, they don't care about the guidance. They don't care to seek answers from the guidance that Allah gave us, which is the Qur'an, right? And so, 
You want to know if your life is on Salat Mustaqim or not? Ask yourself this question. Am I enjoying Naim? Am I enjoying the beauty, the, you know, the comfort of this life? Am I enjoying the happiness and, you know, uh, success of this life? Am I peace? Am I peaceful internally? Am I living a life of joy and bliss? And this has nothing to do with materialistic things. This is internal, right? This is your Jannah internally. That should be the life of a believer. You've got to be a source of peace, right? Islam, we're Muslims. We're supposed to be at peace. You're supposed to be comfortable all the time. And so, Salat al-Mustaqeem, straight line, simple. Our deen is not complicated. We've made it complicated. We started debating very complex things about Islam, whereas it's very, very simple. We just need to focus on these basic fundamentals, and inshallah, our life will be easy. Salat al-Mustaqeem also comes from, you know, istiqama. They call someone who is mustaqeem as someone whose character is upright. Sida banda, they say, right, in Urdu. He's not crooked. He's straight. This guy is straight. That sister is straight. She doesn't lie. She doesn't cheat. She doesn't play around, right? So that's also emphasized in this, this path. If you're on that path, your character is straight. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You honor your commitments. You know, you're someone who's loving and caring. You don't have any grudges, any hatred towards anybody. And mustaqim also means you live a life of values. Right? You live a life of values. And that's another topic which we can leave for another sec you know, day. But you are not concerned about just material gain and shahwat. The opposite of values is shahwat. Money, fame, you know, uh, good tasting food or whatever. You're value driven. You're thinking, and certain values like health, like love, like education or knowledge, values like, I don't know, positivity. There's, you know, you could Google it up. What are some values that we can live by? And that is the life of a believer. But what I want to highlight is Salat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. The path of Naim. The path, what does Naim mean? Naim comes from Nu'uma, soft and beautiful and joyful and blissful. That is this path that we are asking Allah to guide us to. Because that is Sirat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. The people, all the successful people that were before us, they lived this path. They lived on this path and they died on this path. Which is that all the prophets and the messengers and the sahaba. Yes, they fought battles. Yes, they had tough times. But what, where was the na'im in their heart always? That na'im, state of na'im was always. There was, not, there was no jahim there. The opposite of na'im is jahim. So I have a theory that there's like, I'll talk about this later, but there's two jannas and two jahims. Jannah and dunya, jannah and akhirah. Jahim in dunya, Jahim in akhirah. We'll talk about this in a second. But Salat al-Mustaqeem also means it's like this path that's pointing upwards. Istiqama from qama. It's pointing upwards, which means you're constantly growing. A believer never settles for the same thing. You're never stable. You're constantly improving in every aspect of your life. You're improving your health constantly, improving your financial situation constantly, improving your relationships, improving your spirituality and, and relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Constantly just aiming to get better and better and better and better and better, right? And of course, Salat al-Mustaqim means you have a vision, you have a goal, you have a purpose. You're not just living a life to eat, drink, sleep and die. You have a risala, a vision, a, a, a mission in life. You want to do something meaningful with your life. Something that will benefit humanity, something, some legacy that you can leave behind. Okay? So what's the theory? The theory is there's two jannas, jannah and dunya, jannah and akhirah. Allah wants you to win in dunya, win in akhirah, whereas shaitan wants you to lose in dunya and lose in akhirah. So we all know that jannah and, and jahim of akhirah, right? We all know that. But we rarely think about the jahim and the jannah of dunya. The jannah of dunya is that happiness and inner peace that you have. Good relationships, financially healthy lifestyle. Uh, you are you know, healthy physically also. You know, you're not getting into... Uh, diseases and, and problems and, and medical issues due to irresponsible diets and irresponsible care of your health. And so what does shaitan want? Shaitan wants you to live a life of jahim in dunya before akhirah. The life of stress and anxiety and depression and anger and relationships being torn apart and financially suffering with debts and loans and credit card bills and 
you know, you have health issues and you're eating junk all the time and halwa puri and jalebi and pakoras, right? And, and constantly going to the doctor and medication after medication and problem after problem. So emotional stress, psychological stress, uh, stress, financial stress, physical stress, that is the jahim of dunya. So it's a big reminder for us as Muslims, right? We claim to be the people of La ilaha illallah, the people of Ummat Muhammad. But Fatiha is telling us, wait a second, the people of guidance are supposed to be living in Naeem. Are we really on Salat al-Mustaqeem? Or are we on Salat al-Jaheem? That's a question every single one of us needs to ask ourselves. And if, if we are on Salat al-Jaheem, then let's get back on track. How do we get back on track? Quran. And so this suffering and pain and, and difficulties, we see it all over the Muslim world. We are supposed to be the happiest, most like, you know, peaceful people on earth. Non-Muslims should see us and be like, wow, we want to be like them. These guys are always happy. They're always at peace. They're so nice. They're so loving. They're so kind. That's what Islam means. Source of peace internally and externally, right? You're basically walking around with peace and love and care and just enjoying life, right? Muslims rarely smile nowadays. Can I see you all smiling? It's difficult to smile, right? Like our uh, like jaw muscles aren't used to smiling, right? Our teeth barely show. So we need to be people who are happy, inshallah. And like I told you, let's stop taking those, I call them uh, spiritual pills. Like for all our problems, we take a pill of patience, a pill of inshallah, akhirah, I'll get it. Or a pill of, maybe this is my qadr, my destiny. Sorry, don't blame Allah for your misery. Allah gave you choices in life. You can fix your, your, your matters yourself. What do you need to do? Read. Your problem is due to either misinformation or missing information. By you not reading, you are the one to blame. And so, to end it, inshallah, So, we asked Allah to live a life of Naeem, a life of paradise in dunya and akhirah. Right? And actually, uh, one of the scholars, he had a very interesting saying, which I actually agree to. He said that there is, a, there is a paradise in dunya. Whoever enters it will enter the paradise of akhirah. Whoever does not enter the paradise of dunya will never enter the paradise of akhirah. Right? And so all of us, we should strive and we should be ambitious to, to taste that Jannah of dunya. It does exist, guys. Wallahi, it exists. But you got to connect to Quran. You got to connect to the Hidayah, right? Because that Surat al-Mustaqeem is the path of Naeem. All other paths, either Maghdubi alayhim or Dhalim. What does Maghdubi alayhim mean? People who are angered upon. Notice, Allah didn't say Allah is angry with them. Allah never, you know, doesn't associate negative things with himself. So he said everybody's angry with them. What about Dhalin, people who are lost? Let's just dig into this deeper. So why are they maghlubi alayhim? One view is that these people knew the truth. They knew who Allah is. Remember the knowledge-action balance? So they had knowledge, but they didn't act upon it. Therefore, they deserve what? Anger. Because they knew. They still you know, followed their desires. Just like the Jews, the Bani Israel. They knew that a prophet will come after Isa alayhi salam. But just because he was from Banu Ismail, not from Banu Ishaq, they had an ego issue and they're like, you know what, we're not going to follow him. He's from you know, Banu Ismail. So that's a, that's a problem of the heart, the desires, the shahawat. Okay? That's the problem of the maghdubi alayhim. They know it's wrong to backbite. They know it's wrong to you know, judge others, but they still do it. They know it's wrong to have a haram business and riba and all this, but they still do it. They know it's wrong to drink alcohol and do drugs and you know, have a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, and affairs and cheat on their spouses, but they still do it. So they deserve anger from everybody around them. Whereas Dalin are people who have doubt. They have misinformation. They have missing information. They're acting without knowledge. Their problem is the opposite. They don't have knowledge, they just have action, blind action. And, you know, here, maghdubi alayhim usually are people who have arrogance. I am better than him. I will follow my desires, right? 
You don't put Allah in front, you put your desires in front. Whereas Dalin, their problem is ignorance. So remember this balance also. Whenever you recite this ayah, or this part of the ayah, remember arrogance and ignorance. These are the two major diseases of the Maghdub Alim and Dalin. Why ignorance? Because Dalin, they have action without knowledge. They're doing things without knowledge. They have missing information or misinformation. I'll give you an example of this very, to make it very easy to understand. Whenever you apply, like before driving, you need to apply for a driver's license and go for the test and the practical, right? Why? Because if you don't, you're going to cause trouble on the road, right? To yourself and to others. And so why do you go through that training process? Because you have certain misinformation, missing information that needs to be clarified to keep you safe. Same thing with life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the, this command, iqra to get yourself out of any mess. Whatever mess you're in, just read, just ask, just read a book about it, watch a documentary about it, attend a workshop, attend a course. This is called self-development, right? Constantly aim to develop yourself in whatever area you're going through, whether it's financial or relationships or physical or whatever, right? Constantly. If you don't attend you know, workshops or you don't put any effort to learn and to broaden your mind, then you're going to be from Dalin. You're going to have missing information or misinformation that you heard from somebody and you took it as something that's true. Another beautiful thing about this, these two groups is that Maghlubi Alim are, you know, in, in a sense, the evil minority that sits at the top of the pyramid of a society. You know how like sometimes there's this, Allah calls them Al-Mala, the, the, the cream of the society who are usually like very evil. They control all the businesses, they control the media, they control the education system, they control politics. And so they, that small evil you know, minority, just like the Quraysh, what do they do to the majority? They blind them. So the Dalin so the become the blind majority. So Allah beautifully encompasses like both wrong groups, right? The evil minority, the Maghdubi alayhim, because... They're doing really, like they're spreading evil purposely. They have visions, but very evil visions. And he's also condemning the Dalin because they're just, follow, they're like sheep following blindly without questioning, without asking, without thinking. Wait a second, does this make sense? Is this right? Verifying, you know? And that's called bayan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Rahman tells us, Allah taught us how to distinguish right from wrong. It's called discernment. When you discern what's right from wrong, what do you discern? Discern what makes sense from what doesn't make sense. And you use your brain to, to distinguish the two. And last but not least, like we said, knowledge and action, right? These two things, really, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started off Fatiha by telling us who He is. He gave us the knowledge of who He is. Who are the people who acted upon that knowledge? People who actually followed the Quran and stayed on the straight path. They were people of knowledge. They were the people of Naim. When we become obsessed with knowledge but no action, we come from maghdub alayhim. When you get obsessed with action without knowledge, like some people who burn tires, thinking it's a good deed, thinking they'll be rewarded for it, right? That's action, but you're following some human being blindly, right? And so, you see the danger of the two? Knowledge and action. But above all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned about hidayah. So even knowledge, and I'll end with this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to ask us how much knowledge you have on the Day of Judgment. He's not going to ask you that. He's going to ask you, what did you do with the little knowledge you had? That little knowledge you had about the need to be like a Rahman Rahim, loving, caring, merciful. You had little knowledge about accountability, Malik Yawmiddin. The fact that you know, you're responsible for your actions. That you need to be honest, you need to be caring, you need to be loving, you need to be someone who doesn't cheat in business. That little knowledge, those little basic things. Wallahi, our deen is very simple. And it's all like the maqsad or the objective of this deen is character building, right? Being better human beings. Purifying our hearts from the shahwat, purifying our minds from the doubts. So that we can live a life of na'im. And so long as our hearts are corrupted and our minds are corrupted, we constantly be bombarded with shahawat, desires, temptations in this age of shamelessness, right? Multi-million dollar porn industry and so many distractions. 
At the same time, we're going to be bombarded with doubts. Is Islam really the true, true religion? Why does this Quran say this? How come this happened? And with YouTube and Facebook now, you know, the enemies of Islam, they're basically like bombarding our youth, especially with these doubts. And if we don't have answers for those questions, the next generation is probably going to leave this. You know, if it doesn't make sense, they won't buy it. So it's time, it's like it's high time for us to step up the game, to get connected with the Quran and to inshallah purify our hearts and our minds and to be people of Salat al-Mustaqeem, Salat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. Jazakumullah khair for coming today and I'll see you inshallah next week. Subhanakallah bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nasikhfirakum wa matubu ilayk. Any questions before we end? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's the other contrast. On one hand, you have the successful people, and on the other hand, you have the two negative groups which you don't want to be from. And you're asking Allah to not be from these groups, right? In your salah, every every time you pray. And so, you know, may Allah protect us from this. Um, so thank you for coming, Zakwala Khair. Uh, you guys want to pray Isha here or yeah? Okay. So we can pray here, inshallah. Salaam alaikum.